In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and it will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We've waited for him so that he might save us. Let us be glad and exult in his deliverance. Isaiah 25, verses 8 and 9. This prophecy from the lips of Isaiah talks about what will happen when we're faithful and keep our focus firmly on the Lord and live as if we are God's people. All our tears will be wiped away. Tears in themselves aren't always visible. Some of the more stalwart amongst us may not cry real wet tears that curse down our faces. This doesn't mean there are no tears. Look at some of the faces around you. Their eyes are dry, but inside there may be weeping. Our souls, the imago Deo, the image of God, could be weeping for lack of nourishment, for lack of trust, for lack of really knowing the power of our Lord. When we give up because our hearts are broken or our troubles overwhelm us, when life deals one knock after another, when getting up each day brings dread or boredom, terror or anger, tears are wept by the soul. If we can keep the image of a wondrous Lord who will deliver us, for he has promised he will save us, we can be glad and exult. On the day he arrives, all the tears will be wiped from our faces. Can you imagine that? No more cause for tears. The Lord is greater than anything you or I can envision. Let us rejoice that we've heard his name and know where to go for the tears to be banished now. Well, good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. I have a super exciting show in store for you this week, as my guest is Jennifer Miller, driver of the Mama Bus, who decided not to be chained to any desk or piece of furniture for that matter, but instead to spend this decade living large with her children, whom she describes as four fabulous humans, and homeschooling along the way. Other topics I will cover... This week will include the speed at which my son has me hurtling through life and curious tidbits from the other side of the puddle. Rustle up some coffee and a pan au chocolat too, fair for any time of the day, and come sit with me for a show and a half in sunny Angleterre. And it is. The sun is streaming in through my window. My visiting zookeeper son brought an article about himself that was in a local Texas magazine entitled primary okapi keeper at the Dallas Zoo. There are three very handsome photographs of him and his charges and an inspiring story about how he attended the community college before going to A&M and getting his Bachelor of Science degree and his job, thus fulfilling a lifelong ambition. He enjoys being interviewed about himself, who doesn't, and the privileges that came with homeschooling, which he always sneaks in there. Of course, he knows he wouldn't be where he is now without his mum. His was not a common run-of-the-mill childhood, and... 
talking of uncommon childhoods, let's go to my guest this week, Jennifer Miller. I gave you a little introduction, but I'm going to give you some more because she is fabulous. She's currently en route from one side of America to the other and back again. She uses expressions like the mama bus, uncommon childhood, third culture, and adventure. And I thought everyone would enjoy listening to her tell us about how she lives, homeschools her children, and knits absolutely anywhere she happens to be. Jennifer's passing on her love of travel to her four children and everyone else in the world eager to learn how she does it. She and her husband have spent the last four years in uninterrupted travel, choosing to invest most of their time and money in memories. Good morning, Jennifer, and welcome to my show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, it is early morning for you, isn't it? <laughs> yes, ma'am, it is. It's just yeah. now uh, 6 o'clock where I'm at. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So you're even earlier than you thought you would be, right? Oh, uh, nope. I've messed up time zones. It is, in fact, 7. I think I'm it's in New Mexico o'clock. now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell us um, where you are. And briefly, before we go to our first break, and we have oh, a good eight minutes here, so it doesn't have to be that brief. Tell us what the Mama Bus is and where you are right now. Well, right now I'm watching the sun come up over the desert in New Mexico. We're very near Carlsbad, which Mm -hmm. is kind of near the corner of Texas, if that helps you at all, just north of the country of Mexico. Okay. Um, I am here with my friend Lois and her seven children and my four. So that's 11 kids under 15, if you can count them Uh, all. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We've (laughs) driven from New Hampshire, which is on the far east coast of America, to Oregon, which is on Mm -hmm. the far west and mm-hmm. I left her there for a week with her family, and my, my family went north into Canada to see my brother and his family. Then mm-hmm. I picked them back up, and we drove down into California, and we drove through Nevada and Arizona, and now we're in New Mexico, and we're heading east again. Back to New Hampshire. Back to, back to New Hampshire, which is where my friend lives, yes. This trip uh-huh. has been one of her lifelong dreams with her kids, and for years she's talked about it and said, I just love to do this, but I just can't figure out how, and... This winter, I was Skyping with her from where we were living in Guatemala at the time. And I said, you know, do you really want to do this trip? She goes, oh, yes, but I just, I can't imagine how I can make it happen in the next, you know, two years. And then Jeremiah, her oldest, will be gone. And I said, well, if you want to do it, we can do it this fall. She said, oh, I don't think we can get the money together. I said, I can definitely make that happen, but you have to promise me you'll go. Because if I pull the strings that I have and I I find the money, you know, in creative Mm -hmm. ways, then we have to go because, you know, people will be depending on us. And so that's what we did. We, we raised all of the money for this trip without um, tapping into either family budget and hopped in the van on August 30th and off we went. So we're having a really big adventure with the kids. It's a lot of fun. All right. So you've been out since August the 30th. So that's uh, four, five, six weeks. I think so. I'm not for sure, but yeah. 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 And this is her family's very first, um, what my family would call a real trip, you know, more than Mm -hmm. a two week vacation somewhere. So this is a really big deal for her kids. Um, And for my kids, it's the first time they've traveled with another family. Mm -hmm. And one of the fun things is that everywhere we've gone in the last three and a half years, my kids have said virtually every day, Oh, I wish the wood kids could be here. They would so love, you know, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. on this trip, they're getting all of those kids with them every day. So it's been a lot of fun for both families just to get to share some experiences. So, um, beware everybody. If you express an interest to travel, Jennifer <laughs> will make it happen for you. Wow. Well, that was, that's, that's amazing. Uh, she has worked extremely hard on this trip. The kids have worked extremely hard on this trip. Um, what I, 
the dream was hers. All that I brought to the table was just the knowledge of how to make it happen, really. So Mm -hmm. it's been a combined effort, and the kids even have worked very hard. The thing that I wanted her kids to to get to experience like my kids have is, is the real belief that if you work hard at something and you sell out to your dream, you can have it. And it really doesn't matter what that dream is. Um, mm-hmm. If you're willing to put the work in, it can be done. And that, to me, that's the most priceless piece of education that a child can receive. Right. So you said that um, you need you were going to pull some strings and you said, you know, you need to be serious and um, yes. about <laughs> this. And so what kinds of strings were you able to um, pull? Well, one of the benefits of, of having traveled for a few years with as many kids as my husband and I have and blogging about it is that we know a few people now within the, the travel, greater travel community and more specifically, quite a few people um, feel like they know us, you know, because they've been following us around for a while. So the first thing that I did was created a website for the, the Mama Bus experience and explained what we were going to do and when we were going to leave and then created ways for people to buy into the trip. And so people, individuals were able to sponsor us financially if they wanted to or by providing a place to stay or by providing some experience along the way. Um, and then I also started lobbying various corporate sponsors to see who we could find that would be willing to supply some of the things we needed for the trip. Homeschooling Today magazine, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, yes, I am. I write for their magazine and have for several mm-hmm. years, and they're sponsoring mm-hmm. our trip. They... Um, they gave us some money for the trip. They've also purchased a bank of articles that'll be in their spring issues that I'll be writing when we get home in a month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There was a O'Brien's Rogue River rafting trips. They sponsored the trip by providing a whitewater raft trip for everybody. Um, we've had camp- campgrounds kick in cabins. We've had other people buy us a lodge outside of Yellowstone. We've had numerous families offer to host us. So it's been really fun. We've made a lot of neat friends um, this way by, by allowing other people to participate in the process in some small way. So it's the first time you've actually done that wholesale? You know, you, you've actually time. sold that, yeah. Well, it's the first time that we've ever attempted to fund an entire trip doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that it worked this time is that this is a very short trip by our standards. It's only, uh, you know, two months about. And so it's a very defined period of time that allows people to not lose interest. You know, we, when we started traveling on our bicycles with our kids three and a half years ago, there was also a way for families to sponsor us. Um, and a lot of people did, but what the excitement wasn't quite the same. And I think that that was a number of factors. One was we were brand new to it. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have a, an already established set of followers and, um, or the connections, you know, within the, the writing world that I have now. So for this trip, for this season, for whatever reason, this has worked. Um, and it's just been really fun to watch it come together. So you said something about um, somebody sponsored you to have a white water raft trip. Have you done that yet? Uh, we have. Lois and her family actually took that. I, we were not able to because that was during the time that we were in Canada. But okay. she and her mother, who was with her instead of me for that week, and mm-hmm. her seven kids uh, took a really beautiful ride on the Rogue River in Oregon, which is a well-known uh, rafting and and Whitewater River, and they just had a fabulous time. And if you're ever in Oregon or if you know anybody who is, the O'Brien's Rogue River Rafting Company, they just do a phenomenal job. Hmm. 
Well, Jennifer, we're getting ready to um, go on a break in just a small moment. But um, before we do that, um, I just want to tell my listeners that if you're just joining us, I'm talking to Jennifer Miller, one of the drivers of the Mama Bus. And Jennifer is passing on her legacy of an uncommon childhood to her four children and everyone else in the world eager to jump on the bus with her. So be careful what you wish for around Jennifer. She'll make it happen. Mm -hmm. Jennifer and her husband have chosen to invest most of their time and money in memories that keep instead of cars, clothes, knickknacks, and noisy toys that rust or gather dust. She and her friend Lois and their 11 children are currently homeschooling their way across America without television, video games, internet, or fast food. And we'll be back in just a little bit with more from Jennifer. She's going to talk to us about how she started on um, this wonderful adventure of traveling, what got her started. So we'll be back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Ready for the most current feel-good gossip? Then check out Daytime with Donna with your host, Donna Intercastle, and sidekick Nina Fry. Every Friday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. You're simply Donna is a charismatic market-driven entrepreneur who was part of the team that founded iVillage.com, which is the largest content-driven community for women today. Donna and Nina are here to empower you, motivate you, and encourage you in all aspects of your life. It's like Oprah on the radio. Plus, your chance to win great prizes, all the way up to a $500 Visa gift card. For more on Donna Inficasso, check out her website, introinc.com. Then join us for the show, Daytime with Donna, with your host, Donna Intracasso, and sidekick Nina Fry. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Join us for self-aid success stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on DougieNet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
Well, Jennifer, um, I know you homeschool the children. Um, yes, you know, while while you're on the road, and you're you do actually do a little bit of formal homeschooling every day. It's not just um, live in the world, world schooling, unschooling. No. You actually do right. homeschool. So, just tell us just a little bit about that, so that my listeners can go. Oh, okay. We can do that. <laughs> well, first of all, the most, the heaviest thing that we carry in our backpack is books by far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, we have been homeschooling our kids from birth. So, uh, that was not a transition when we started traveling. However, the way we homeschooled, of course, did change. When we first took off, we thought we were only going to be gone for a year and then come back and, you know, have a real life again. So for that year, we did, uh, mainly unschooling because I took the two years before that and kind of worked them ahead in the basic things so that I wouldn't have to worry about whether they would be, you know, keeping up. Um, mm-hmm. but now since it has become our life, we do, we do school actively just about every day. Um, mm-hmm. our kids are all very self-directed in their learning programs. I, we're not unschoolers. Um, I choose their curriculum. We work together to, blend their interests with what we feel like they really need to know for the real world. And we do a lot of things um, on the computer, of course, because that's much lighter. We have two MacBook Airs that we carry for that purpose. Mm -hmm. And they do a lot of writing. Um, And yeah, as they get into the high school years, they they have organized science curriculum. I mean, we do the same things that people at home do. We just do them Mm -hmm. in more places, (laughs) I Mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. Yeah. And we take advantage well, of things like, you know, we enlisted them in um, Spanish classes when we were living in Guatemala this winter and, you know, take advantage of what's around us as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned MacBook Air, and I think MacBook Air should sponsor you the next time you do something. <laughs> well, my husband <laughs> really used do. to work. My husband used to work for Apple. Um, so mm-hmm. in a way, I guess they do because they, you know, they provided the... Uh, the means for our family to begin traveling and he still does some programming work in a software that they produce. So, um, in that sense, they, they sponsor us a little, I guess. (laughs) Um, made it, made it possible for you by (laughs) producing the product. Right. Exactly. Um, so tell me something about that brings me to this really. Um, what is location independent living and working? What does Uh, that mean? The term location independent was coined by a friend of mine in England. Her name is Leah Woodward, and she has a website called locationindependent.com. And the concept is just that you create for yourself a career or an income stream that is not dependent on a particular place. You don't have to turn up at a job every morning. And then by doing that, you can choose to live and work anywhere. So for us, that means we have the freedom to travel. But for someone else, it just might mean that they get to work out of their home so that they can spend the extra hours developing their family farm or Whatever their passion is. The idea just is that you are not bound locationally by the thing that you do. Okay. So that's definitely what you do. Yes. Yeah. My I husband. Mean, do, you have, do you have a home? I mean, do you actually have a house that you own? No, we don't at the moment. Um, we sold our house and most of our stuff four years ago. We know where we will live next. Um, we, we have the property to build eventually. Uh, but for now, I mean, for us, we just decided to spend this decade living and working with our kids, traveling as much as we could. We have a, an overarching goal to put their feet on each continent before they launch. And we have to hurry up because our daughter's getting close. Um, but, yeah, we, so, we really wanted them to see the world, to walk in the world, to see how others live um, and try to get beyond some of the propaganda posters that are so prevalent right now. You know, people are so pigeonholed by a stereotype, and we really wanted our kids to just learn that people are people are people everywhere. We're all trying to work and raise our families and worship our God in the way that we can and, um, you know, and not be so affected by what the newscasts are, are telling us about each yeah. other. 
Yeah. Um, and what, what about um, your children obviously um, enjoy traveling with you? I've spoken to other traveling homeschoolers whose children, once they got home, just kind of went, we don't really want to talk about this among our friends because we don't want mm-hmm. to be different. Because mm-hmm. they, I suppose, like you, were originally just going to go out for a couple of years or, or a year right. and come back to real life again, which I, I know. <laughs> okay, so real life now is your life on the road. Um, right. So how, how have your children um, sort of managed with that um it does it make it easier that you don't really ever come back to one place for any length of time although i know you do go back to one place um you know sort of or have done mm-hmm. how, how do your children feel about the traveling i mean are they all right with it all the time you know they really are uh we've talked about that a lot because it was really important to us especially as our kids got older that you know they feel like they have a, a say in their lives and what they're doing mm-hmm. um when we first came back to the States after cycling for a year, you know, we had to tell all of our friends and and people, well, yeah, we're not actually back. We're here just for a couple of months to make some money. And then we're going to be on our way again. And, um, you know, there were people who were kind of like, Oh, you just, you've had your little fun time now, just, you know, settle back down. But what we found was across the board with our kids too, after two or three months in the States, when, you know, when the fun and the novelty and all of the things that they had been missing, you know, food wise and friend wise had, had become comfortable again, we were all really ready to go again. And Mm -hmm. all of our children really enjoy traveling. They spend a lot of time talking about what they want to do next. Um, they don't always agree on what they want to do next by any means. Uh, but they all have dreams of their own and things that they want to accomplish and places that they want to go. And Mm -hmm. so we, you know, we try to take that into account as much as we can. Um, I was raised very much like this. My parents didn't travel for years on end, but we did take a couple of years and spend time in Central America instead of in school. And uh, so having been raised that way, my brother having been raised that way, I'm confident that they're going to be okay, you know, because my brother and I are both very happy with our lives and our upbringing. Um, and I think it's easier with the Internet because the, the thing that they really miss most are relationships, and those can now be maintained so much easier with things like Skype and email. So are there, do their other friends do a lot of traveling as well? Do, do, have they made friends within the traveling community? They have. Their friends mm-hmm. that they had before, none of them are travelers. Uh, this family that we're traveling with right now doesn't own passports even, which to us seems you know, very, very mm-hmm. different. Um, mm-hmm. But most of them are very static people. We have made friends within the traveling community. Uh, they do know some other third culture kids. And I think that that helps because when we are, rarely when we are with those people, they really connect with those kids in a way that, you know, they understand what it's like to have a foot in several different worlds. And so that's been valuable for them, too, um, to have friends of both sorts, I guess. So tell us a little bit about what is a third culture child? <laughs> um, a third culture child is defined as a, a person. It, you know, you may be an adult and still qualify. I, I'm certainly a third culture kid. Someone who has spent a large amount of their time, their childhood, out of the culture that they were born in. So... Mm-hmm. I'm Canadian. I've spent a lot of my time in as a child in Mexico, some time in the States as well. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's a word to define the feeling that you have of being kind of um, torn between two places, between two people, between two experiences. And um, if you if you Google that and you read, you'll find all sorts of websites and self-help type things that are are designed for people who struggle with some of the aspects of that because not everyone finds it to be a positive experience. Um, for us, for, in our family, I don't know if it was just the way my parents raised me and, and how they dealt with that. It has always been a very positive experience for me, and it's something that I really love about myself. It's definitely mm-hmm. something that's weird sometimes socially, but to me it's a good thing, and we're working to 
you know, to point out the positive aspects of that to our kids. And so far, everybody seems comfortable enough. You know, we'll see when they're adults what they blame us for. <laughs> well, you know, I was I was thinking that my parents, my father worked for the Foreign Office, and so we traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, when I left home and, and after college, I started moving from place to place. And my mother said, oh, my goodness, what have we done to her? <laughs> but eventually, I did settle in America and I raised my children in the same house. And I mean, this is somebody I, I felt like um, there was something inside me that just wanted to get out, you know. But for mm-hmm. some reason, we just stayed where we were. Well, obviously, as a couple, we decided to stay where we were. My children are just thrilled that we did that, you know, that, you know, we feel we're so, so blessed that we're, you know, sort of still in the same house where we, we grew up originally. But they all want to travel like crazy, too, <laughs> now. And, um, you know, and I do. I, I still want to do my traveling. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm English and, you know, sort of moved to America and... And uh, I can understand that. But my passport is what kind of keeps me grounded mm-hmm. um, always because my, my British passport, you know, there was no, no denying that. So do you right. have a Canadian passport? Is that what you have? Or do your children have dual? Um, I used to have a Canadian passport. I married an American like you did. And I've lived in the States for uh, much of, well, most of my adult life. And um, so when we had children, I switched to an American passport because I have citizenship in both countries. And it's much easier if we're all in the same nationality of passport. My kids are dual citizens also, so they can eventually live and work in Canada, get a Canadian passport if they wish. Right. Um, so you, you talked a little bit about your um, family travels. You know, when, when you were young, you, you spent a couple of years in Central America instead of in school. That sounds great. Um, <laughs> so do, did your parents do a lot of traveling when they were growing up? Because, you know, typically, as you said, your friend Lois doesn't have a passport. Right. A lot of Americans don't. They don't mm-hmm. travel outside um, the continental U.S. So were your parents brave? What, what, you know, how would you describe them? Why did they do that, do you think? Um, I think my dad just has an incurable wanderlust and he, they were not raised traveling. They were both raised after world war two in, um, just a very standard middle-class Midwestern American upbringing. Their parents, uh, traveled a little bit within the United States. They had a cottage in Canada, which is how my family eventually ended up there. But when they, um, graduated from university, they married quite young and they took off backpacking and they backpacked down through Central America and into South America and took a freighter to Africa and backpacked through Mm -hmm. Africa. Uh, I was almost born in Guatemala because my mom and dad were backpacking down there and um, Mm -hmm. her OB for me was in Guatemala City. So they came back to Canada to have me, but, you know, they did a lot of walking around before we were born. And then um, they had my brother and I and we, you know, we built a couple houses and did things, but then they just, they wanted us to see the things that they had seen. And so they took us with and... It was really, it was great. My parents, I tell people I had the most perfect childhood that anyone could ask for. Um, Not that my parents were perfect people, but they absolutely did the best they could with what they had at every juncture. And nothing was, at least from my perspective, I felt like nothing was done by mistake. You know, they always thought it out and did the very best they could for us, which I appreciate so much now as I have my own kids. Mm-hmm. And they live, do they live in Canada? I know your brother lives in Canada, right? Yeah, they do. My whole family is in Canada, actually. My parents yes. live in Ontario, which is on the East Coast. My brother lives in British Columbia, which is on the extreme West Coast. Um, mm-hmm. He is also an adventurer. He spent five years sailing around the world after he graduated from oh, university. Right. Huh. So it's huh. it's in our blood. I tell people I'm second generation crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's going to be in your children's blood too. Well, Jennifer, I'm talking um, 
to Jennifer, and we're getting ready to go on a break. She's been telling us how we can enjoy the kind of life that she is having. Just work hard at it, and you will get there. Follow her adventure on adventure.com or hop on the mama bus with them. We won't be long. We're going on a break. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest in heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Jennifer, I'm going to ask the question that everybody out there is longing to know about. How do you do all the other things like the shopping, your washing, bathing, toilets? I mean, you've got children aged between 2 and 15. You know, your two-year-old or maybe you've got another, well, two-year-old is getting ready to be potty trained or probably is potty trained. But I mean, what do you do? Tell us, tell us what your day-to-day is like. Well, the easy answer is it's the hard way. We do everything the hard way. Um, <laughs> My children are actually 9 through 14. Lois has the younger ones on this Mama Bus trip. But for our family traveling, some of our worst and funniest stories are built around those exact things. Um, Learning to use squatties in Italy and in North Africa and, you know, washing clothes is a constant challenge. I'm so happy anytime I don't have to hand wash. But we spend a lot of time, you know, hand washing in a river with local people or in the (laughs) 
in the shower of a youth hostel, you know, just stuff that you think they're the moments where you stand there naked and dripping with soap and your kids clothes piled around your ankles thinking, yes, this is why everyone wishes they had my life. This is the best. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's hard. You know, this winter when we were living in Guatemala, we lived in this little town on the far side of Lago de Atitlan. There was no market in our town. So shopping once a week involved me taking my huge backpack, taking an hour boat ride, walking about a mile and a half to the market, doing all the shopping, carrying, you know, 50 to 70 pounds worth of food and the mile and a half back to the boat, taking the boat ride in the afternoon with Wist Choppy, then walking another, you know, most of a mile home with it all. So it's, it's a lot of work. And, you know, the thing that I, that I tell people is that we love our life and to everyone else, to many other people that they say to us, Oh, we wish we could do that. And you can't, you absolutely can do the thing that you dream of, but you have to understand that you can't do it all. You know, I, we can't, we cannot afford to maintain a home and have all of the comfortable things that we had and the life that we have now. So we choose to do without a lot of the things that other people view as necessities, but we view as comfort items in order to have some of the other experiences that we have. So, um, cooking right now on this trip for 13 people is happening over two fifth size camp stoves that we had while we were cycling. Um, which is a challenge, you know, so to have one dream, you choose to do without another, you know, and I think that's one of the most important things that my parents imparted to my brother and I was, you can do anything you want to do, but you can't do it all. You have to make choices in this life. And so for us, this has been our choice and it's not everybody's thing, but for us, we love it. And so a lot of people might just see the glamour side, you know, the traveling and and in their minds, you know, they're they're thinking travel the way they're used to traveling. And, you know, it's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. Goodness. It's not a two week vacation. You know, we're, no. this is how we live. So we, we split our time between, um, moving forward with bicycles or backpacks or, you know, however we happen to be traveling at the time and then renting houses, places, uh, and really spending some time going deeper into a culture and also resting. And one of the things we discovered the first year we were traveling was that we got really tired. Mm-hmm. And after about six months of constant cycling, we rented a house in Africa for three months and we crashed. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I said to my husband, I think I'm either pregnant or I have some terrible disease because I was so exhausted and I Mm -hmm. couldn't get over it. And Mm -hmm. we just realized that we had pushed too hard. We'd gone, you know, it was our first time we didn't know. And so Mm -hmm. now we, you know, we try to divide our time in sort of three month chunks. And that for us, that works better with the kids. We can do more intensive schooling when we're in a house, we can rest, we can enjoy Mm -hmm. some of the comforts of a home. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we move forward again. Well, for those of you who don't know, um, Jennifer and her family cycled from London to Africa, and it took them a year. And um, mm-hmm. uh, and this is where you're saying you just you just pushed yourselves a little bit too much and um, ended up, um, you know, sort of crashing in Africa somewhere for a few months. Yeah. So that was good. That was good. Um, so it how did you good. do that? I mean, did everybody have their own bikes or did you have kind of you know, a bike where you could have a child behind you or how did that work? Yeah. Well, when we left for that, our youngest two were five and seven, which is pretty little. I look at other five-year-olds now and I think I must have been nuts because uh-huh. um, they look so much smaller than they did at the time. But uh-huh. what we had were um, trail bikes, which is one wheel and pedals that attaches to the back of an adult bike. And my husband and I each had one of those. So one child attached to each of us with our load of bicycles and or our bags rather. And then our older two children, they had their own bicycles and their own set of bags. And they at nine and 11 rode the entire trip 
um, unsupported completely by themselves. They did it and they did a great job. It was no, it was no problem. I mean, at the end of the day, actually, they did better than we did. <laughs> so oh, good. I'm glad. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah. They loved it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and you know, that we haven't cycled much in the last couple of years is starting to become a point of contention. They want to take off and ride again for a while. Mm-hmm. So what kind of bus are you driving? Is it, um, an RV? Tell us what kind of bus it is. What does it look My like? My friend has a, she has a 15 passenger van. So it's like, one of those giant vans that they take large groups of people in, but that's actually their family car. <laughs> and there's room for all of us in there. And we have towed behind that a small trailer that has our totes of, you know, clothing and cookware and stuff like that because there's very little storage room in there. So it's not it's not an RV, so it doesn't have a toilet on no. board or anything like that. Okay. No, it sure doesn't. <laughs> We've been camping pretty much the whole way. And um, so how, how has Lois and her family taken to this? Uh, you know what? They have done absolutely great. I was a little worried about, you know, how the kids would be, especially the little ones, a couple of weeks into it, if they would start to get really homesick or, or you know, miss their dad or their dog, which they have. But they have been such troopers, and they have really adapted well. This has been their dream for so long that they're so excited about it, that, and they know it's for a short period of time. Um, so everybody has really worked hard and been very cheerful and helpful, and, it's you know, it's gone well. Well, good, good. So um, you say you don't watch television or have video games or noisy toys or you cook everything. You don't go to fast food restaurants. Possessions don't mean that much to you. So how would you describe your family philosophy? I mean, how would you describe yourselves? Um, we have, we have a couple of little one line maxims that we try to brainwash our toddlers with. One of them is love people, not things. Mm -hmm. And, um, the other one is, uh, that our family is about making memories. You know, we're not, um, my husband works in the tech industry. He's, you know, he's got all of the fancy stuff because he does iPhone and Android programming and whatever. And our kids use MacBooks for their schooling. It's not like we're Neo Luddites by any means, but Mm -hmm. we also chose early on not to plug our kids into the television, not to buy video games. They have iPod touches that they read on, but they don't have any games on them. Um, we want, (laughs) I guess we had an experience when we were in Italy that just drove home to us why we have chosen not to do those things. We were visiting the Colosseum in Rome, which is phenomenal, of course. Mm -hmm. And sitting on one of these stones was a child of about 10 years old playing his Game Boy. Um, Mm -hmm. And my husband and I just, uh, you know, I elbowed him. I said, look, it's, it's the American gladiator, you know, <laughs> and, and the idea that you're, you're checked into some, to a pretend world instead mm-hmm. of really engaging in the real world that you're in at that moment is just something that kind of makes me nauseous. And I really want our kids to experience where they're at, live their lives. And then if as adults, they choose to engage in those things, that's certainly their freedom. And I have no, you know, I have no moral problem with TV or video games. I just... I really want our kids to um, grow up independent of them. And then if they choose them to use as a tool, they sure can do that later, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, So um, if you ever decided to stop traveling, where would you land? Where's the place Uh, you'd like to live? The next place we live will – (laughs) well, I think the place that we would most like to live and that I think we will eventually split our time between is um, the highlands of Guatemala. We absolutely love it there. We've got a real heart for the people there. Um, and there's just so much need there for people who can go and spend more than two weeks really working. Uh, and so I think my husband and I will probably do that eventually. Our next home that we build will be on Wolf Island in Ontario, Canada. That's where my parents live. And we're going to build a little cabin there so that we can take over the, the heavy work of that property. They have 70 acres on the waterfront and, um, they're doing fabulous right now, but you know, by the time they're 90, they're probably going to want somebody else to shovel the snow in the winter. So 
Uh, we want them to be allowed to keep that property as long as they like, and we'd like to keep that property in our family. So that's where we will live as our permanent address next. So were you ever nervous during this trip, two women, 11 children? Oh, in this trip, no. I mean, this trip is, um, I mean, we're, we're within America, which is our country. Everybody speaks English. There's really no crisis. Um, no. The last time I was, I was nervous traveling was when uh, the Honduran president decided to land at the border crossing when we were crossing. And that guy's not real popular on several sides. And it would be the perfect place for an ambush by scary characters. But, you know, that was scary. Uh, there's nothing about this that is scary to me at all. We're, we'll be fine. And um, another question before I have to um, say goodbye, because we're coming very close to the end of our conversation. Um, so if someone listening to us speaking now thinks, oh, I'd love to do that, but, but, but how do you help them find a way over this initial hesitation? Well, it's really just a matter of reprioritizing. Uh, if your concept of travel involves expensive things, change that. If mm -hmm. money is the problem, then, you know, spend the time necessary to get out of debt, change the way that you're spending. Uh, there are, there are definite ways to find a location independent life if you really want to, if you really want that. Anybody who wanted to email me through our website, which is adventureproject.com, and it's mm -hmm. adventure with an E because it's combining education and adventure, I would be happy to help them with that. I've helped lots of other families do that kind of thing. Um, so say that it's, again, it's, it's adventureproject.com, did you say? Dot com. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep, that's our yep. website, and you can fill out a contact form, and I love to help other people figure out how to chase their dreams. It's very doable. I think the primary thing would be figure out a way to make your career location independent if you want to do it for more than a short period of time. If you want to uh -huh. take a six-month-to-a-year six trip, that's easy. It's the longer-term thing that takes a little creativity. Well, and um, are you still taking sponsors for your mama bus? Oh, of course we are. Sure, we would love yeah. to have people still sponsor us, and we'll send you a postcard from the road and there are lots of different ways that you can um, you can be involved if you really want to be so yeah that website is themamabus.com themamabus.com and you can yeah. probably access it through adventure can you access it through the adventure yeah i think that they're linked yeah. um i yeah. can't remember at this moment my husband takes care of that but we would love to have anybody join us and if nothing else you can just please come and read along and watch the videos that my daughter's been making she's been doing little mini documentaries about uh about the trip and the things we've seen. And, you know, you can just have a good laugh. If nothing else, it'll make you appreciate your life. <laughs> well, last, I've, the last two nights, we've had people vomiting in tents and skunks. So, oh, oh, well, yes, that's the real side as well. You know, the, the, yep. the good, the bad, but the whole, the general experience has been absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today, this morning for you. I'm sure everyone out there will agree that Jennifer's story is not one to have missed. Follow her articles on the adventureproject.com or sponsor her travels on the Mama Bus website. Um, she's passing on her legacy of an uncommon childhood to her four children and everyone else in the world eager to jump on her Mama Bus. She and her husband have spent Thanks the last so four years in uninterrupted travel, choosing to invest their time in, and money in memories rather than the advertising-driven clothing and toy stream. Jennifer, I really enjoyed talking to you today and I wish you safe travels on the last leg of your journey home thanks so much vivian it was really wonderful to talk to you too well good travels bye bye
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Um, if you um, subscribe to Homeschooling Today, the magazine, um, next year in the spring sometime, you'll be able to read um, all of Jennifer's articles. They are in, in return for the sponsorship. Um, they had her write for them. So um, she is a frequent writer for homeschool, um, Homeschooling Today. So um, go to the magazine and, and read all about her her adventure. You won't get it. She, she promised not to post it online, so it'll be all new stuff. So go and read all her stuff online, and then you'll get new stuff um in print um well i had two of my four children with me this weekend and things felt almost normal my daughter and her brother who'd just flown in from texas the brother not my daughter spent time in the city shopping my son is as much of a shopper as his sister and neither neither one of them is really good at hanging on to their money but they were on a quest he was after a pea coat which is a retro piece of attire that the Beatles used to wear back in the 60s I've convinced him that if he buys one a little more expensive it'll be in his wardrobe for a good many years he takes note of me because unlike his sister who changes several times a day he sees the value in value and is happy to have a few good items in his closet quality rather than quantity he didn't find one with his sister but we found one last night on the way to the theater and he excitedly bought it 
donned it in the street and I noticed a buttonhole-sized tear in it. So he reluctantly returned it. There were no more at that shop in his size, so he'll have to go into the city again. But at least he knows where the coat is that he needs. And we took him also to Camden Market. Told you he likes to shop as one of our very first stops. And it was in the middle of the week when it wasn't quite so hectic. My Texan and I love the antique fabrics they have there in the canals and the locks. And our son found a jacket, not the elusive pea coat, that he'd been looking for. This one was a heavily knitted item with a generous fleece lining, very heavy and superbly warm. It's imported from Nepal. And the best thing about it it has a zip-offable hoodie. There are shopping malls here that don't allow hoodies. And he could bargain with the stall owner, so he got some poundage knocked off the opening price. He's going back to buy some Tibetan trousers. They're very lightweight and perfect for climbing in, he says. And on the subject of climbing, he found an indoor wall that he went to last week. He was going to go to France or Switzerland to climb, all about image. It would sound better if he dropped these country names casually into a rock climbing conversation. But is it really worth the money spent travelling there? There's an outdoor bouldering place in Tunbridge Wells here in Kent, but when we broke out the road map, we found it was almost all the way down to Dover, another expensive train ride for not what he considered to be exemplary climbing. He settled on an indoor wall in the east end of London, 11 stops from Victoria on the tube train. It may not be the real thing, but perhaps the atmosphere will be good. He told me he didn't want to get there when they opened, dead at 12 noon, and I said, why? No one to show off in front of? Exactly, Mum, he said. Only a mother knows her children better than anyone else. Plus, being an American, he likes the attention. Off he toddled to the wall and climbed for a couple of hours. He met some people to talk to and was invited to another wall at London Bridge, also on the tube line, to climb for free because one of the people he'd met worked there. Friendly lot, these climbers. So a couple of days later, off he went there and met a few people and climbed and had coffee and climbed again and came home quite late in the evening, absolutely exhausted. And the next few days, he suffered. His body ached all over and I wondered why, because I know he climbs in Dallas. Well, because I was climbing with people instead of on my own, he answered. And I said, oh, so when you climb with people, an element of competition creeps in? Exactly, mum, he said again. Both my blue-eyed cowboy and I can outwalk him along the streets of London at the moment since his legs and upper body are crying out for him to slow down or preferably just sit down. Simon has quite an agenda for us to keep up with, or should I say, for him to keep up with. He wanted to take a stroll down memory lane while he was here, so of course off we went to Broadstairs, where we holidayed every year, or so it seemed, back in the day when we had all the children dependent on us. He's not been there since he was 17, so was keen to go and say hello to all his old haunts. Off we went last week and ate at the pub where I'd had the funeral receptions for my parents. He photographed the turbine windmill farm on the horizon, a new site for him. And we walked along Stone Beach and picked up a few pieces of chalk and some shells as reminders for our pockets. Do you have pocket reminders? I have a large leather jacket I always wear during my winter visits to England. Whenever I put it on, I automatically slip my hands into the pockets. This is where there's always a pair of gloves. And underneath the gloves is a seashell from Stone Beach, and it always reminds me of my parents. So Simon and I picked up a couple of memories from the beach and popped them in our pockets to be forgotten until we came across them warming our hands or grabbing a glove.
We reacquainted ourselves with all the cottages we had stayed in on holiday and walked up and down the high street a few times and had a coffee with our aunt, his great-aunt. The memories came flooding back and I noticed he was growing quieter and quieter. We ended the day with a visit to the graveyard where I'd been planning to lay my parents' ashes to rest. There's a little consecrated place at the side of the Catholic church we attended with them when we were over and we took him to see where it was. There was no denying the disappointment on his face when he saw the haphazard display of stone tablets with names and dates and RIPs on them. No landscaping at all. Just a higgledy-piggledy set of random white stones marking the spots. This is exactly how I'd felt when I first saw the place, but I thought that over four months I may have mellowed and liked the place better. But his face told me everything. I cancelled the plot and the priest while on the train travelling home that evening. I think the funeral director actually agreed with me, so it's back to plan A, a scattering on the beach, probably on Stone Beach, where they used to walk the dog and us when we were here, and a memorial stone at home in our garden. The graveyard visit had been the last straw for poor Simon, and he was looking more and more maudlin on our journey home. I finally asked him what was really wrong. I wasn't taking tired or jet-lagged as an answer anymore, and he said, he wasn't the same without everyone else, meaning without his brother and sister's. I'd been to Broadstairs many times with either a daughter or myself alone, so I was used to it. But the last time he'd been, the other three siblings had been with him to jostle and argue with or to walk and play with. Plus, although the town itself hasn't changed, rather as if it's in its very own little time warp, a lot of other things have changed with the extended family dimensions. It's rather sad that Granny and Grandpa aren't there anymore only their memory. Then there's my cousin, whom we lost in March. She grew up there. And her father, our uncle, who wasn't around for coffee. And the passing away of our second cousin also this year, who was the same age as Simon. He learned that absence of loved ones, for whatever reason, engenders changes. Broadstairs will always be special. There are a lot of associations buried along its beaches and streets. And new memories will be made with the old ones as firm and trusty foundations. For two days this week, Simon and I did a mother-son trip to Dublin. We spent two full nights and... No, we didn't. We spent two full days and one night in that green city and walked until our feet ached. Thank goodness there are pubs up and down every street. But joking aside, it's a very pedestrian city and nothing like London. We had to ask directions several times and Simon was good about approaching road workmen and other obvious locals. But we only ever got past the first few instructions because we had to decipher the strong Southern Irish lilt. We visited the Guinness storehouse and learned how the black stuff was made. Then Simon poured the perfect pint and was allowed to drink it and brought home a certificate. I exchanged my drinking ticket for a pint in the gravity bar, which was on the seventh floor and commanded a breathtaking view of the city. We visited St. Patrick's Cathedral, erected outside the city walls in the 13th century, on the site where he baptised his first converts in the 5th century. All Simon could say was shake his head and say, we have nothing this old in Texas, and he's right. We visited the Dublin Zoo and were given a tour of their elephants, four females and a young bull, and told about the innovative flooring they've been using for their herd. Their whole enclosure, the elephant enclosure, is filled with sand to three metres deep. I didn't know this, but elephants love to dig. Food is hidden around their outdoor enclosures for enrichment. They're also strictly hands-off, and most of them have never been touched by human hands. They have a three-year-old bull born in the zoo and are hoping to breed more in the future when their mature bull arrives in March of 2012. The sand in the inside enclosure is cleaned in an, in an innovative way. 
of course, scooping poop is a given. They do that with a, a forklift. <laughs> but um, each day it's flooded with water, which drains through the nine feet of sand, washing it clean of urine. Then overhead heaters are used to dry the sand. The whole zoo itself is beautiful. It's set in a massive national park. All the animals can be seen through green foliage instead of behind bars. But then it did rain the whole time we were there, so that probably added to the green. After the zoo, we had lunch, and then we visited the Jameson Distillery. Simon volunteered to be a taster at the end of the tour and was again awarded a certificate. We also got to sample the smooth, thrice-distilled fire water. It was very interesting, and we learned about evaporation called Angel Share. While it's in the barrels being aged, Jameson loses about 10,000 bottles of whiskey a day from evaporation. Lucky angels. We'd hardly been home a night when we were off to Salisbury to visit more family. We went to Stonehenge, a first for Simon, and he used a new app on his phone to take a panoramic picture. Then we visited Old Sarum, where I'd never been, and we went to the cathedral, which was very quiet and peaceful. We had an enjoyable evening with cousins. We ate well. And um, when we got back, we had a day off, or today's the day off, I suppose, before we start cavorting again over the weekend. Malira came and visited us at the weekend, I told you that. And um, they came to mass with us in the morning, and the choir were in fine form. The church was still beautifully decorated. But Malia's beginning to feel a little homesick. She's putting on a brave face, and her landlady loves her, as do all her teachers. But none of that can ease the awful feeling at the pit of the stomach when it attacks. And luckily, she has a couple of good supportive people helping her through these days. Seeing Simon and spending two nights at home with us helped, but not the telling of what Simon was planning to do during his weeks off. She said, I miss Dallas, Ian and Paris, and I think about you guys all the time. That's us, you guys. Fancy that. But that's not all, and I'll have to save next week's adventures for next week because I've managed to rattle on for another hour. Where did the time go? I need to wrap up now and prepare for the weekend in Leon Sea where we're visiting my daughter. And then next week we're going zoo hopping in Kent. Tonight my brother and his boys are over for dinner. Always a raucous affair. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief. I miss you two in Texas. The hardworking staff at TogiNet Radio, my guest Jennifer Miller, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Sarah, and many others who are part of my growing audience. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Doodloop. And listen to Ali this afternoon. She's on at five o'clock central time. And without further ado, bye. I'm off. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Talk.